Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Monday. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Macatrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Route 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. And every Monday show brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Or go to purdyinsurance.com. Look at you. All that good stuff. Look at you. Look at you. You're so happy today. Listen to you. <laughs> I wouldn't call it happy, oh, yeah. but the right oh, move was it's made. Christi- it's Christmas Day to you, <laughs> the whole thing. This is the, you know, you got what you wanted. I mean, well, I got half I mean, of what I wanted, I- and the other half I'm not getting, which I'm not happy about. So I'm still really not happy, even though I'm half happy. We'll leave it at that. Look, you wanted you look. It's typical of. Your team and your ilk. <laughs> you want it? You want everybody fired? That's because they deserve it. But we're not going to get the other half, which is all, which is now very concerning. And how this all went down is very concerning. Which brings back to my other points of previous of Jeff Lurie. To be honest with you, there's a part of me that sounds a little bit like he half quit and half got fired. That's exactly right. And the like half quit gonna... part is a problem. To where this organization's going. I mean, because I mean, I half expect that before the show's over with, you're going to quit because it's just <laughs> typical of your, it's just typical of your ilk. <laughs> okay, um, so your guy, your guy is fired. He was when he won the Super Bowl. He was your guy. The second he lost the next game, he, he the next loss he had, he stopped being your guy. <laughs> Uh, I think I've got it pretty much safe. Okay, so. Uh, we got Jim Roth, Southern Columbia coach at 335. Got three ga- players in the game tonight. You got Rich Scarcella and Heather Dinich today. Pretty good lineup. And then Neil Kulong on what's left of the Steelers tomorrow. I got 18. 18's the number on the Steelers. That's very concerning. That is the number of free agents. All right. We always like to answer questions from the audience. David writes. You'll send on Wednesday. Finally got to me today. Maybe if you weren't outside with your and uh, 
with your sign in front of Jeffrey Lurie's house saying, Fire Doug, maybe you would have sent this earlier. I mean, your little protest thing, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, Steve, Happy New Year. And Happy New Year to the bitter guy. Oh, no. Happy New Year, Steve. I was listening to a recent uh, radio show podcast, and you were talking about some metrics to follow to see how a team is doing. Turnover margin, defensive stops, percentage of drives with no points allowed, 70% target. David's a good listener, man. He's, he's listening. So I also watched the BTN Clemson-Ohio State pregame show with Urban Meyer and Jerry DiNardo, where Meyer mentioned one of the more important metrics that he used from Chris Ash, when he was his defensive coordinator, was keeping the number of missed tackles to less than 10. He claimed that there was a 90% correlation to winning if you keep missed tackles to single digits. What are your thoughts on the single-digit missed tackle metric? Uh, Well, that tells you a lot, and it's something that, David, it's impossible for me to keep track of that unless I have advanced analytics but uh, what game was it I was doing where I knew that Penn State going into the game now this is the flip of it this is the flip of it All right, where Penn State had had 15 The number of broken tackles by the running backs had been like 15 to that point. And in this particular game, they had a bunch of them. I mentioned that. We talk all the time, especially early in the season, about um, uh, about tackling. And I usually feel, and I've said this on the show many times, that tackling doesn't really improve until really improve, like make a big step up until usually the third game of the season. Because the way training camps go now, yeah, you tackle, but you don't tackle nearly as often as you did in the old days. A lot of tackling, like consistent tackling is happening a lot in the games. Uh... And so the the single-digit missed tackle metric is really important because you want to get whomever, running back, wide receiver, quarterback to the ground on first contact. You do that, you're having a pretty good day. So, yeah, that that stat, while I don't have it, and I don't have it on my chart because I think it's you have to have really advanced analytics to, to look at that, uh, Urban Meyer is correct. Also, since I only listen by the podcast download, I missed Ask Steve Anything Day. So here's one for you. When are you quitting? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, <laughs> just kidding. That's not what he said. Um, who were the names on Joe's short list of successors? I've heard names like Urban Meyer, Mike Munchak, but perhaps those are just rumors. Tom Bradley, Jay. Um uh, Good question, because it's something I, I, Dave, I never talked to Joe about. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Tom wanted the job badly. Um, Mike Munchak's name I only heard later on, only from outside people, but I don't even think he applied for the job. 
you know, Urban Meyer always had, had, you know, had been around Penn State. I remember the one thing about Urban Meyer that he had come to Penn State to do a feature on Mike Maudy. This is the one year he was out between Florida and Ohio State. And in a brief conversation with him, brief, he mentioned to me about how impressed he was with Penn State and how impressed he was but that with every single person he came in contact with in the building. Just, you know, every player he talked with just really impressed him. Now, whether that was enough to make him think this was the job, who knows. But I never, Dave, I never got into that with Joe. I was always under the assumption all the time with Joe that, that he was going to be back the next year. So I never really got into what you know who would be next after him with him because I was always working around him with the idea the next year was going to be that next year was going to happen for him and it would be up to him to tell me if it wasn't and we never got to that point so I apologize I, I that's the the reason it's the only answer I can give you is that that is the honest answer. P.S. Here's my Mark Brennan tweet impersonation. Did you know in the 70s, Jerry DiNardo was one of the real-life Notre Dame players that didn't care for Rudy's practice annex? He talked about it on the podcast with Mike Hall. I'll tell you who also didn't. You know who also didn't, Dave? It was Joe Montana. Joe Montana was not a big Rudy guy at all. The last time I heard somebody that was anti, like Rudy or like that, was Matt when it came to Doug Peterson. Man, he did not like Doug Peterson. Oh, <laughs> oh my! But yeah, you know, Jerry Donardo was not crazy about him. Joe Montana was not crazy about him. And if you watch the movie, he's offsides. All right, uh... <laughs> you're killing me. Killing you? You railed on this guy for weeks. Weeks. <laughs> and finally it comes to fruition. I texted you. It must feel like Christmas Day. Yeah, we're not and there now, yet. And now there's remorse. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't want to see anybody fired. You campaigned for it. <laughs> I'm the one that said you don't root for somebody to get fired. I said that. I mean, because you still have to remember what he did for this team is winning the Super Bowl. So you have to keep that into perspective, I think. If not, that's just disrespectful. But in terms of what happened this year, him ruining the quarterback and everything else that happened, it was time to move on. But I also have been firm and also been calling for Howie Roseman to leave, and that is going to be all but, according to these latest reports today, which, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is very, very concerning. And the owner has lost all credibility to me. You mean the owner of the Eagles? Correct. You don't mean the owner, you don't mean the owner of the radio station, right? That is correct. <laughs> owner of the Eagles. <laughs> I have no ill sure. will toward the owner of the radio station. 
Well, this is, I mean, if I were you right now, um, I'd suck up. <laughs> as much as I can right now. <laughs> if, if I'm the because, owner of the radio, if, if you know, because, the owner of the radio you're, station you're, should be fine right now. He's, his team ruined not one, but both teams of Pennsylvania. <laughs> team ruined not one, but two. Oh. You know, what's interesting about the Redskins is Taylor Heineke played very well the other night. But, boy, I would not want to make a decision off of that game as to what to do in the future. I'd, I'd be careful about getting too emotionally wrapped up in one really good you know, poised, hard-fought performance. Yesterday and the weekend was bizarre. We'll talk about how bizarre in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Now you want him back. I don't understand. What do you want? I wanted him and Howie gone. Yeah, but you want me gone, and I'm here every day. (laughs) I never want you gone. (laughs) All right. What a bizarre weekend. (sighs) Analytics... And sabermetrics. So I want. I will start there. Analytics sabermetrics. To me, are invaluable because you can't have enough information. It's then what you decide to do with the information. But at least you have it. Here's my big problem with someone who is a purist on analytics and sabermetrics. I mean, I've got a big problem with it. With this part. People who are absolute purists on analytics and sabermetrics really, truly believe it's the only way to win. They do not accept other ways to win. Well, there are a lot of ways to win. And by the way, analytics and sabermetrics happen to be one. But there are other ways to do it. Time and score enters into it. Personnel enters into it. There's a lot of things that enter into decisions you have to make. 
So let's get to the Bills-Colts game. Okay? Colts are driving, driving, driving. They get down to the one-yard line. They have third down and goal at the one. The Bills make what I thought was the play of the game because, I mean, they had to stop them there. And they threw Taylor for a three-yard loss back to the four. In all honesty, if it is fourth and goal at the one, and I'm Indianapolis, I go for it. But now it's fourth and goal at the four. And that's not Lamar Jackson back there who can run. It's Phillip Rivers back there who can't. And I'm looking at the time, 33 minutes to go. I'm looking at the score, and I take the points. He doesn't. He goes for it, doesn't get it. In fact, they run an option play with Phillip Rivers. Okay, Which Buffalo Bills player looked at Rivers running the ball in the option and went, gee, I think I'll take him? Is that there? Well, what are you doing? Then he's down eight. He goes for two. Huh? Well, what am I missing here? I'm down eight. I'll go for two. How about kick the extra point, make it seven, and put yourself in, in a position to try and play a little chess here? Going down the stretch instead of chasing points, I couldn't believe it. Sat back and what are you doing? It's like watching Mike Tomlin last night. Tomlin, thirty-five to sixteen, he goes for two. I'm like, Tom, go for two. What are you doing? Okay, make it thirty-five seventeen, and then make your decision on your next score as to where you are as to whether you should go for two or not. Okay. Because here's one of the greatest misnomers, and announcers are very guilty of this. Very guilty of this. They're down one score when they're down eight. No, you're down two scores. You're down one possession. One possession, two scores. Because if you have to line up and run another play to get the other score, you need to run another play. Okay? Okay. You're not you're down one possession. You're not down one score. You need two scores. And you need the two scores off the one possession, the touchdown and the two point conversion. And then when he cuts it to thirty to to what, thirty five twenty two? Okay, now go for two to make an 11-point game. Not be kicked the extra point. Like, what in the heck am I watching here? Then I watch Mike Vrabel on fourth and two. Punt. Late in the game. And gave the ball back to Lamar Jackson. I'm looking around. You've got to know time, score, Situation, personnel. You can't sit there and look at your stupid card all the time. You also have to have the ability as a coach yourself to look up at the scoreboard and say, you know what? I think we need to do that right here or not do that here. It was a bizarre weekend of circling a fogged in airport. 
Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business. They're the best in the insurance business, and not only will they make sure you're covered, they'll make sure it's all done at a price that fits your budget. You have the pros, pros, and insurance. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory, great pre-owned inventory, and a fabulous service department to back it up. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. By the way, just a quick side note. It looks like Penn State basketball is going back to work on the practice floor today. Now, they were supposed to have a game with Rutgers tomorrow night, but you can't practice one day and then play the game. The idea now is to play the game with Purdue on Sunday. They have told us that's going to be a 1 o'clock tip and a 12.30 air time. And Dick Girardi and I will have that for you. Very pleased to be joined by the outstanding head football coach at Southern Columbia, Jim Roth. Jim, happy New Year to you. Great to have you with us. Happy New Year to you, and uh, thanks for having me on. Well, isn't this an interesting scenario, huh? I mean, three guys in this game, with all with local connections. Jim, what does that tell you about the quality of player that we see in our Valley when we see something like this happen? Well, obviously, um, uh, we've had success in our program. Other teams have had success locally, and uh, they're you know for not being an area with uh, large populations, no large cities, and so forth, being pretty much what you would consider a rural area. You know we we um, we have a lot of good athletes and uh, play a high level of football in the area, and and um, that's just uh, another example of that with you know having having guys that uh, are involved in programs like this. Which is unbelievable, uh, but it also speaks. And it's one thing that you notice, you know, and I'll see it at a practice and so forth. So I'll talk about the, obviously what I know. You can tell right off the bat the great foundations they get in high school. How important is it to build early the foundation, Jim, with you and your staff to build a player foundationally, and then build from there with just the basics. Well, I think it's um, a big part of our success. Uh, the the younger kids uh, are are learning from the, the not necessarily even junior high or middle school, but from the time they're in the youth programs. And we don't spend a ton of time working with uh, the coaches and and specifically the the kids at that level. But there is a connection, and uh, we we've always had coaches who are former players and that understand uh, what we're trying to accomplish uh, when those kids get to high school. So uh, th- there's a lot of um, just basic uh, characteristics that you know we're trying to instill in these kids when they're young. And so by the time they get to high school, 
we really, uh, I mean, we reinforce things, but we don't have to sit down and talk a whole lot about the expectations and how we want them to um, conduct themselves as a Southern Columbia High School football player. They kind of know what the expectations are by the time they're a freshman or a sophomore, and so then we can kind of go from there. But, um, you know, attitude, character traits, um, things like that are just so important at the high school level and, and having consistent success in your program is is uh, based on what you can do with those guys that are average high school a- uh, athletes and how much you can develop them into becoming good high school athletes and taking the good high school athlete and making them outstanding. So it's, it's a matter of um, just trying to elevate uh, the level of, of all these guys as they come through the program. Right, let's take a guy like Stone Hollenbach, for example. He's going to back up Mac Jones, a redshirt freshman. A, how much contact have you had with him? How much does he talk to you over time? And if you have, what kind of experiences he had down there? Well, he's he's always loved Alabama, so uh, <laughs> he's had a he's had a real good experience. Other than the fact that you know he, he'd like to be farther along as far as getting on the field, but. I mean, let's face it, when you go to Alabama, uh, you know, that's the top of the heap. So, you know, it's one of the premier programs, uh, and it's probably been the most dominant in the last decade. So um, we text on a a fairly regular basis. Uh, I I spoke to him just recently again, and then I've seen him from time to time in the offseason when he's been home or when he's had uh, the opportunity to be home. So... um, He's had a good experience, uh, you know, and, and again, he loves the program, and, and obviously it's a great program, um, and he was doing well this year, especially in the preseason, uh, getting reps with the second team and even getting an opportunity to throw to the starters at times, but, um, you know, with the starter they have and the people in the program, he hasn't really uh, had an opportunity to get on the field, and as things have played out here during the season, uh you know, he hasn't had uh, much of a look as far as uh, getting on the field. But, uh, you know, his future is uh, is bright. Uh, he, he has a Division One arm, there's no question about that. But as you would know, when it comes to playing quarterback in a Power 5 school, there there's a fine line. And um, there's only one position, there's only one starter, there's one spot. And so he's just got to kind of keep plugging away and, and uh, wait for his chance. Well, he's just a redshirt freshman. So obviously, as a true freshman, you got to be in a quarterback room with Tua Tunga Viola, and then with Mac Jones, and then of course Jones exclusively, obviously this season. In your texting with him, what is what did he pick up in that room from guys that at least have played that have maybe helped him think about the game in a certain way? It's uh, you know comparing it to high school, throwing a football is throwing a football, but. You know, learning the system, which obviously, you know, that was the first part of it when he got there as a, as a freshman, and becoming more and more familiar with what they do, because obviously at the quarterback position, you know, you have to be aware of a lot of people's roles on, on every play on that offense. Not that you have to know every blocking rule for every lineman, but you've got to be very accomplished at what you know the, each individual play is, is trying to um, is trying to do, and what the roles are of a lot of different people. Um, and it's so much more complicated than high school. And you know the no huddle schemes yeah. and the signals and so forth and so on. Um, so so I think 
you know, he's used those guys as, as a role model as far as just either, you know, learning the system, but then also the processing part of it. Once that ball snapped and the bullets start to fly, as they, as they say, um, and being able to, to process and think and go through your progression and I guess backing up to even before the ball snapped and taking a pre-snap read. And so learning, learning how to process things at that level is probably the biggest transition from, from high school. And, and just learning how to do a lot of those things that are just higher level mental functioning uh, items that are necessary to play quarterback at that level. I mean, those are the things that, you know, he's had to work on and get better at. And, and um, that's where he's been able to pull from those guys who are elite, you know, Division One football players, the, the elite Division One quarterbacks and, and NFL-level quarterbacks. And then there's uh, Betsy Fleming's son, <laughs> Julian. Uh when they needed him in the Big Ten championship game when Chris Olave was out, he stepped up and played really well, and he's also stepped up on special teams. He's even forced a fumble during the course of this whole thing. So in your in your communication with him, what's his experience been like? Again, you know, he loves the situation there. Um, he's torn right now a little bit just because Julian's such a, a competitor and, he, and he's such an elite player that he's not used to standing on the sideline. But he, yeah. he kind of knew going in uh, in that program and with the talent they had at the receiver position that, you know, there was going to be some of that most likely, and there has been. Um, but, yeah, he's had a great experience in terms of um, just being able to elevate his game to that level. And a lot of the same things I said about Stone, you know, for him going in, Again, learning the offense, um, learning the no-huddle things that they do at the college level. So, so now you don't just have to learn, you know, what each individual play is called and what your role is, what your responsibility or assignment is, but you also have to learn all these signals so that even without hearing it, you have to be able to look to the sideline, pick up that information and process it. So there's just so much more in that regard. And then uh, the, the finer points of playing the receiver position, getting better at running routes and reading defenses, uh, uh, not to the level of a quarterback, but the receiver also has you know, a big role uh, at the higher levels like that uh, in terms of taking a pre-snap read and understanding what the secondary is trying to do, what type of coverage they're in, and then adjusting your route accordingly. You know, those are... You know, things that you do a little bit of that in high school, but not near to the extent that you have to do it, you know, in, in a Power 5 school at a school like um, Ohio State. And so, um, you know, there's been a transition there, but I know uh, Julian feels very comfortable with his position in the program right now and being able to step in and become a starter by next season. And he, he's had playing time on a regular basis this year in uh, the Big Ten game championship game was, was where he got the, the most opportunity because of Olave being out, but hopefully he's on the field some tonight, and uh, I know it's going to be a tremendous experience for him just to be part of that game. Yeah, in the Big Ten title game, he had four catches for 53 yards in that game because opportunity opened the door for him. He took advantage of it. What is it like for you to sit back and watch a game like this because of personal connections? What is that like? 
it's uh, very rewarding, and um, you know, it's it's. Uh, I have to kind of take a step back and be in a small school and and uh, uh, not not having too many people, you know, from our program get to that level. It's just uh, a little bit overwhelming at times, but uh, it's just a lot of fun and exciting to. Um, watch a game like this and know that you have a direct connection with players on each team and uh so that also means i'm not not going to be rooting in a big way for either either team because we have representation on both sides but can just kind of sit back and enjoy it and um just look forward to the future and them being able to continue to um you know, be part of, uh, of these programs and, and participate in, in uh, big-time college football programs. When the night is over, someone from Southern Columbia will have a national championship ring. Interesting. Jim, yeah, always a pleasure. Kind of Isn't that cool? About that. Yeah. yeah. You, no matter what, a Southern Columbia graduate will have a national championship ring by the end of the night. Yep, that's, uh, that's a, a tremendous... Uh, thing for us to be able to um you know look at when when uh it's all over this evening jim always a pleasure thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it It was a lot of fun hey same here and thanks for having me on you bet jim roth head football coach southern columbia next half hour we'll have rich scarcella and then we'll have more in the national title game with heather dinich we'll talk to rich about jaquan brisker returning to penn state about Michael Mennett deciding to go to the NFL draft and also about Mike Yersich as the offensive coordinator. That's with Rich in the next half hour. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Markets Reed and Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. During the break, I'll have to listen to Matt talk more about Doug Peterson being fired, which he campaigned so hard for on many different platforms. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Jaquan Briscoe returning is a big deal because between the transfer and Tariq Castro-Fields and Brisker to go with Marquise Wilson, Joey Porter Jr., Keaton Ellis, and Daquan Hardy. Man, and then you added Jair Brown, Jonathan Sutherland. I feel really good. Enzo Jennings. I feel really good about the Penn State secondary moving forward. I thought Brisker in the last five to six games, I thought played really, really well. I thought I, I thought he got off to a slow start. But after the slow start, well, I thought he really came on and played really well. Michael Mennett? I can't say enough good things about Michael Mennett. Uh... He's been in the program five years, and now he wants to throw his hat into the NFL ring after five years. Do not blame him in the least. Remember, for Brisker, he's coming back for his third year in the program. Man, it's been here five years. You want to talk about the great soldier. Came here as a guard, moved to center, turned into one of the top centers in the Big Ten, and just worked and worked and led and worked and led and worked and was just a great, not a good guy, a great guy to be around. We're going to talk to Rich Scarcella about this and more in the next half hour. 
You notice the emails that we're getting? Other than the ones, you know, from your family saying that you're the best part of the show. I noticed you sent me those, too. I did. Matt's the greatest. Love, Lisa. <laughs> my, then my, my next one was, Matt's the greatest. Love, Luke. I don't think he can type. <laughs> yeah, I was impressed by that one. Something tells me it was sent from the same email address as Love Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> then they're the ones from your parents, you know. Then there was one from the suit, which included the grocery list, so I think he was confused where he was sending it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you notice that the Ask Anything Ask Steve Anything Day? We've been getting a whole bunch of those I didn't get a chance to ask and ask Steve anything. Yeah, this is amazing. Okay. I said you in the break and you had no answer. Maybe we ought to do it once a month. You know what? I, I, I think this would be a good idea. I wow, do. Wow, to hear you say that's amazing because, you know, the, you know made the suggestion? You? Doug Peterson. <laughs> That's a good one. Thank you. I'm back at 7 o'clock. Don't forget to tip your waitress. I must have missed that memo. No, it's... Uh, no, we'd be getting a lot of, hey, I didn't get a chance to, whatever. Maybe we ought to do it once a month. Ask anything. Whatever you want. I don't care. Personal, professional. You well. Know. Because uh, all the questions we've received on the email after that have been dealing with that, and then I've subsequently answered questions. But maybe once, like the the last, I don't know, we'll pick a day, the last Thursday of you know of every month or something like that. We'll do that. Just have a little bit, you know, have a little bit of fun and. Get the phone lines cranked up. We'll open it up. No guests for that hour. Now, the next hour, we have Ritz Carcel and Heather Dinich. There's <laughs> opening it up to ask Steve anything is worthless compared to that. <laughs> Although I think Rich would have some very good questions. Oh, Rich. Well, see, that's usually with Rich. When we have Rich on, yeah, he'll ask me questions sometimes. Yeah. Um,. Yeah, plus he's all excited. The Packers are in the playoffs. You know, they're, they're going to play this weekend. They've got the Rams. That's right. And uh, Browns have the Chiefs. The Bills have the Ravens. And the uh, Saints will be at home with the Bucks. And the Eagles don't even have a coach. And the Steelers are home embarrassed. Good times for that, Pennsylvania football. The start of that game last night, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm watching Super Bowl 48. First play of the game, remember? Yeah, yeah. Big yeah. Manning's back in the shotgun. They snapped it over his head, and Seattle got a safety. Seattle got a safety out of it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This time, the Browns got a touchdown. they uh-oh. We're not ready. 
Although, I believe somebody said on Friday, same old Browns. Hmm. I wonder who you're referring to. The anti-Doug Peterson guy. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570-286-5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. 